0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's the
1: Fightful
2: MMA Holy Smokes Podcast with Showdown Joe and
3: Sean Ross. Stop. Joe, we are live. What's going on, everybody? April twenty fourth edition of the of the Holy Smokes Fightful MMA podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, back from vacation. Can you follow online at Showdown Joe. If you didn't check out my Instagram and my stories, uh, you missed a whole bunch of stuff and a lot of it of me getting in trouble uh, with the family. But uh, as always, my co host, managing editor for Fightful. Online, Sean Ross Sapp with the locks flowing. Once again, give him a follow online at Sean Ross Sap. Lots to discuss, Sean. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened over the past week or so, uh, going further back than what I actually missed. And I was able to catch up, uh, when I came back home to UFC events in one day. It was a, a, a marathon, uh, UFC catch up for yours truly. We're going to talk about UFC Atlantic City. We'll talk about the Marab versus Simone controversy. Uh, Frankie Edgar emerges victorious. Could he get a title shot? We'll discuss that for sure. Uh, In the division above him, where does Kevin Lee stand? He destroyed Barbosa. What's going to happen with him? We'll be joined by Amanda Cooper a little bit later on. We'll talk some Bellator, Fedor versus Mir going down this weekend. Chandler, Michael Chandler, he's he's basically staying in Bellator. For those that thought he was going over to the UFC, uh uh-uh, ain't happening. Uh, Garbrandt saying... Dillashaw was on EPO. Oh, boy. We'll get to that for sure. Uh, Ponzinibbio out. Oz- Ozdemir injured. Man, I feel bad for my boy, Kamar Usman. Uh, we'll get to the bottom of that for sure. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, one of three UFC lightweight champions, is <laughs> more than interested in taking on Dustin Poirier. Uh, Matt Serra in the UFC Hall of Fame. Does he deserve to be in there? We'll discuss that for sure. Horrible, terrible, almost disgusting story of Alexis Vida that went down in Florida, someone I see a lot and uh, when I say a lot, almost every single Titan FC event that I've called over the past two or three years, Alexis Vila is there. Uh he has been charged with second degree murder. We will talk about that for sure. Uh all that talk on that social media on Twitter between Derek Lewis du- Derek Lewis and Francis Nganu. Yep, signed sealed yeah. delivered. Those two will be fighting. Uh Ortega versus Holloway is set. That's gonna be that potential the fight of the year right there. Uh and Leslie Smith. Versus the Ultimate Fighting Championship. She's been bought out of her contract, free agent, I guess you could say. Uh, lots to discuss here. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, top right of your screen if you're on the YouTube page. Live chat is up. Make sure you give us some uh, some thoughts, some thumbs up on the on the screen there, uh, and we'll do what we can to address some of your questions. What's up, Sean Rossap? There's a lot going on. <laughs> and, and first off, we have a question in the
4: live chat from Justin H. It says, "Joe, will you be commentating the Ryzen fight, July 29?" going to be visiting Japan for the fight, was hoping to get a picture with you.
3: July 29th, uh, I am not sure. I will say 99% yes, depending on how Frank and I do uh, in two weeks as we just received our flight itinerary. It's confirmed. Um, I'll be in Japan, and you guys don't want to know what the heck is going on. And and we all know Sean Ross. We all know anyone uh, in the North American MMA media looks at Japan sometimes and says, man, they do things... Really, really weird. And I'll tell you what weird is. I know Sean likes to laugh when they fly me all the way to Tokyo to be in a (laughs) studio with Frank Trigg to do the play-by-play. I love it. I think it's just an amazing experience because I love going to Japan. But check out my flight itinerary, Sean, uh, and ladies and gentlemen that are tuned in right now later on on iTunes and Stitcher and whatnot. I leave Friday, May 4th. I leave Toronto Friday, Uh May 4th. I land the following day, May 5th, in the evening, just in time for me to get to my hotel, check in, go to sleep, wake up the following day, May 6th, and it's the show. It's the Ryzen event. Do the call with Frank Trigg, go to sleep, head home May 7th. That's pretty solid. I am in the air probably more than I'm going to be on the ground in Tokyo. So if you think that come, what is it, May 8th, that, po- that Holy Smokes podcast, I will be a functioning human being. <laughs> Good luck with that, but we will give it a shot for sure But in terms of June, uh, if I do do the show and you see me, yes, you need to come up to me and say hello uh, We'll shoot the breeze and I'll definitely get a picture with you and We'll have a good time we'll well, They, they were referring video. to July, but whatever Or July, excuse whatever. me, July, my bad June is Titan, July, Rising. I'm sorry, yes. my bad So uh, let's let's
4: jump right into it I want to talk about this Ricky Simone, Mirab dvavashvili controversy Because I was immediately messaging you Because... You know, usually, by and large, I can approach the rules. I know the, know what's what's going on. This is a situation I've never seen unfold before. The bottom line is, Joe, well, I'll run it down for some people who didn't watch it. Mirab Dvavishvili against Ricky Simone was about oh, 14 out of 15 minutes completed. About 15 or 14 minutes in, Dvavishvili took down Ricky Simone. He went a little bit limp. I don't want to say a little bit limp. Kind of went limp there, but Ricky Simone rolled him into a guillotine. And at that point, Dvavashvili seemed to come, come to life. Kicked his legs, a defense that I've never seen before. Survived a guillotine choke for a minute. The, the end of the fight sounded. The horn went off. The fight was over. After the fight, Mark Goddard runs out to the ring he's discussing things. Mark Goddard, who is not the referee of the fight, discussing things uh, in regards to the Devavishvili fight. They rule the fight a TKO win for Ricky Simone, even though the fight had been ended. Now, Big John McCarthy took to Twitter and said it should have been a TKO when he spiked himself into the mat. I believe that that Devavishvili did spike himself into the mat and knock himself out. However, I can't say with any degree of certainty that Devavishvili was out in that guillotine choke. It was close. I would believe that he was. If he said, "Man, I was out," I would believe that he was because I've seen people punch the air just going on autopilot. I've seen people sit up repeatedly and lay back down when they're they're waking up. But at no point did he stop moving his limbs. I mean, his arms that you would use to battle a guillotine choke, sure, but he was kicking his legs First off, I want to know what you think of this situation because the bottom line is somebody somewhere messed up. Either the referee messed up or the commission messed up, one or the other. How how did this happen?
3: Uh, first of all, I would never go against what John McCarthy says. But in my opinion, that fight uh, should have went to the judge's decision. Um, I'm with you. Like, I mean, you, you take a look at – I mean, there was no real defense there. I mean, Mirab was just basically swinging his feet, swinging his feet for you know 45 seconds to a minute. I
4: wanted to ask you this: Do you think sometime, like if we see a mounted try a mounted guillotine, somebody's going to go for that, thinking maybe it'll work, kicking their legs, bicycling their legs?
3: I can only assume that if that was the defense somebody wants to use, it is simply to 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 get your opponent off balance, so their grip kind of. Slightly gets off the your, your your the veins in your neck, right? So you're not getting choked on. it also depends where the forearm is because you know it, it always depends on the type of guillotine that it is. But in my opinion, even if he was out at the sound of the bell, the bell sounded, the horn sounded. It's it's officially fight over. Um, you know it's it's not a TKO in my opinion. It's not a submission and or technical submission at all because the horn sounded. Now, if the referee went in to stop the fight and the horn sounded, it's a TKO. It's yeah. a technical submission, yes, but nothing happened because you know we saw the whole you know, professional wrestling Hulk Hogan, whatever you want to call it, grabbing the hand and he's giving the thumbs up and he's still moving his arm. So no matter what, it looked like he was out. He wasn't out. He could have gone out, Sean. He could have gone I, out I, multiple I thought, times. I think right? he went but, out
4: when he spiked himself on the mat. I think he was knocked out. A flash KO right there. It, it's it's a sh- kind of weird to say, but I think the ref did both a neglig- negligent and an excellent job. He was negligent when he didn't spot the TKO, the, the knockout on the, the the slam, the spike on the floor. However, when he saw that, that Dvavishvili wasn't going out from that guillotine choke, he didn't stop it. Not only that, a lot of people are like, oh, well, he was, he was put out. I was like, no, man, he was being strangled for 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah, pardon me if I don't do a kip up and a cartwheel, and a backflip off the top of the cage after that happens. But his legs were still moving right after the horn. He instantly reacted to a doctor. The doctor said, lay back down. I don't know how this didn't go to a judge's scorecard. And Mark Goddard, typically very good. I, I don't want to call him out of line for coming out there and saying, you all better make sure this doesn't go to the scorecards. But this was very... Eric Bischoff, 1996, WCW Nitro running out there and like, or Vince McMahon saying, ring the damn bell. I don't care if the match is over. Ring the damn bell. I was like, what's what's going on here? He went, he went the distance. And what's really sad about this, Dvavishvili arguably beat Frankie Sines in his first fight and had judges, he couldn't even get to the judges to have it taken from him in this one, even though he would have won via split decision. Fortunately, the UFC did the right thing and gave him the fifty thousand dollar bonus, but this was a mess—huge
3: mess, absolutely huge mess. And I don't—I don't know the the logic behind. Um, I mean, I, I didn't double check what Mark said on his Facebook or anything like that, or you know what Big John mentioned. I, I but I just don't see the logic. I mean, because in my opinion, that the horn sounded, fight over. You know, That's the referee can't had
4: retroactively call a fight. Can you? No. If so. Kevin Lee better not go to sleep after the fight or else somebody's going to run down and say, he's asleep. He's taking a nap. Yeah. Let's call the fight back in the third round. TKO for Barboza from that spinning wheel kick.
3: Yeah. Right. The chicken walk. Where
4: does it end? It went to the, it went to the horn.
3: Makes no sense. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I don't understand the reasoning behind it. And I get, listen, Mark Goddard's an amazing referee. He knows the rules inside and out obviously big jim mccarthy knows them more than anyone he helped create them uh way back in 2011 or t- 2001 excuse me and it continues to be one of the guys that continues to be there with the abc to modify them and, and make them better but at the same time I, I don't see the logic there i mean it's pretty simple to me now the referee had ample opportunity to step in there for fighter safety he chose not to uh you know ricky simone did a fantastic job trying to finish the fight you know um you know Devalis had every opportunity to tap out. He's not going to tap out. At that point there, it goes to the referee and or the corner. Right? Neither No one made the call to say, you know what, fight over. So he survived until the horn, until the bell sounded. Goes to a judge's scorecard, in my opinion. Simple. Glad Simple. we're
4: on the same page here. So glad. I'll tell you something that. Shouldn't make sense, but sadly does. Leslie Smith bounced from the UFC. Her opponent, Aspen Ladd, missed weight ahead of their fight on, on Saturday. Aspen Ladd claims that she offered Leslie Smith $5,000 to take the fight. Uh, Leslie Smith says, that's a lie. I don't know why Leslie Smith would lie about something like that. So I'm, I'm inclined to believe her, especially when she's trying to endear herself to as many UFC fighters as possible to get these cards signed up speaking of she has launched project spearhead an effort to unionize associate whatever it may be she has won 3 of her last fight, 4 fights the one loss was to chris cyborg she has two wins in a row the ufc offered pay, paid her her show and win money then cut her from her contract she is seeking legal action this was egregious this was obvious this was gross I cannot wait until Dana White has to answer to this in some sort of uh, scrum. And he's going to say, she rejected the fight, so that's why we cut her. We want people that want to fight. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Because I'm pretty sure you would have cut her if she took a fucking dolly to a bus. I'm pretty sure that would have happened. I'm pretty sure they would have fired her if she jumped in the ring and pushed Mark Goddard on a Bellator show. I'm pretty sure... They would have fired her if she threw a goddamn can of monster across a press conference. May sound like I'm picking on Conor McGregor, and no, I'm not advocating that they fire Conor McGregor. He is a cash cow. However, Leslie Smith should still have a job with the UFC. I do not blame her for rejecting this fight. She is not. She was not in a desperate situation. She had won three of four, and she is in a you know. In these divisions these women's divisions winning 3 of 4 means a lot these days because you you need contenders across four divisions she she what she stood to like some big benefit taking that f- alleged that mythical 5k from Aspen lad no hell no she didn't because she knew that if she didn't fight or if she did fight and lost that gave the UFC reason to cut her Yep. They would have loved to have cut her. They cut John Madsen when he was like 4-1. and one. They cut Gerald Harris when he was 3-1. and one. They cut Matt Riddle on a four-fight winning streak over Weed. <laughs> weed? <laughs> today? Could you imagine that happening today? If this yeah. were just a few years later, Matt Riddle would still be in the UFC. This is mind-boggling. I hope Leslie uh, Smith does something. I hope she gets the, the funds necessary to help really fight this but it's going to be tough
3: yeah and don't forget about john fitch being cut you know he was on a win streak or he he was there they were basically looking for any excuse to cut him after he refused to give up um his rights to the video game um so he got released from the UFC. in essence i mean Mm -hmm. you know leslie smith and her her quest to unionize and 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 get project spearhead going you know you, you make those kinds of decisions in life based on and you need to understand and I'm sure she does she weighed out the you know she mitigated the risk if i take this stand there's going to be consequences they will look for any opportunity to get rid of me they will look for any opportunity to silence me okay and that's not just the ufc that's business in general you know if you rock the boat with your employer or you rock the boat as an independent contractor they will do they will look for any excuse to get rid of you and for the ufc buying her buying her out there's pennies for them. Just psh, get out of here. Get out right of there. Our, our PR machine, our mass marketing machine is far too large for you to generate any sort of momentum with your little project. That's what they're thinking, right? Um, and we all know. We just saw it in the live chat. I mean a lot of these these organizations and associations have tried to bring the fighters together. It's just not a situation where you know guys and girls are getting paid to the point where, you know what? I'll put up some of my big money some of my big cash to help unionize this. You know, This is something a guy like George St. Pierre would have to try and spearhead. But then again, he's not fighting as much anymore. He's not losing the money. I mean we've seen it happen so many times. But at the same time, you know, fighters should be compensated. Fighters should be paid a lot more than what they're getting paid right now. Some of them are making a really damn good living. Some of them are not. Some of them are, are – they've got GoFundMe accounts so they can pay for their training, their food – Fly a corner out for them and an extra corner because the UFC is only flying out one. You know, there. This is. I mean, a lot of this. The, the money that these fighters are making is less than minimum wage. People don't realize that. It's also happening in the boxing world. People think, oh, all boxers make tons of money. No, they don't. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. You want to get into combat sports? It's a decision that you make in your life, and you have to realize, man, they're they're. How am I going to get this massive payday down the road to make up the money I'm losing right now and on this journey to getting those big paychecks? And you never know if you're going to get those big paychecks. You know, Elias Theodoro is now coming into some pretty good money, finally, but the vast majority of it is outside of the UFC. His hair wasn't always beautiful, you guys. Right? Like he's sitting there and he's he's capitalizing on his brand and that's one way you can make money. And I've said it before. Anytime you have the ability to capitalize on your brand, you need to make sure you do it, especially if you're an athlete, because your career is very small in comparison to the average lifespan. If you live to be 75, 80 years old as a professional athlete, you are you know, 15 years, 20 years as a professional athlete. Ideally, you want to make enough money during that 15 to 20 years to last you a lifetime. And if you do the math, you need a lot of money. A lot of money to do it.
4: This is a very disheartening series of events. It's not good. It's not a good look for the UFC. I don't know... I mean, you know how Dana White will respond to it uh, in a hostile manner. And that that's unfortunate because... I get it. It's his job is his job, but, oh, my God, this is such a bad look for the UFC. And you could say, I'm sure he'll say, nobody's watching Leslie Smith fight. Uh, we're not getting back $100,000 from her, however the hell much they were paying, because I know... I don't know how much she made, but... Ew. It's just such a bad look. It was not a bad look for one Kevin Lee. Holy crap, he looked good on Saturday night. He missed weight. Not a good look. He's going to have to get with somebody that can really make that work. Otherwise, and, and they there should be a 165-pound division. Without a doubt, there should be a 165-pound division. But right now, there's not. And Kevin Lee looks real good. I would much rather see him against Habib Nurmagomedov than uh, Dustin Poirier. If nothing else, because I think that both Habib and Kevin Lee would weigh in at 157. But <laughs> but <laughs> the way that Kevin Lee looked the other night, and he did the dance when he got spinning wheel kicked in the head, but he recovered. That's the important thing. He recovered. And that's not something that we always see out of anybody, much less a guy who has zapped his body of all water and doesn't have a lot of CSF fluid floating around in his head. Big but time, yeah. The thing that impressed me most most was his cardiovascular conditioning. Wow, he was in great shape.
3: Absolutely. Um, not not to make fun of my wife, because that's probably one of the worst things you can do as a husband. And if you want to, you know, sleep on the couch, you could do it. But um, if if anyone saw that Kevin Lee chicken walk, so my wife is notorious, Sean, and I mean notorious. For slipping and almost falling, almost on the daily, ah. almost on the daily. I mean, you teaching her how st- to do back
4: bumps yet? Front. Oh rolls? my
3: goodness. I, I got to teach her how to break her falls. Yeah. But basically, while we were in vac- while we were on vacation, and we were walking from the restaurant to the other side of not the other side of the of the resort, but uh, to an area with the other couples to to get some drinks and have the kids play around and have some fun. It was pretty slippery out there. When <laughs> when she slipped it was almost identical to the chicken walk that kevin lee experienced oh, and i wow. and it, she was in front of all the adults so we all got a perfect view of this you know grown woman in a beautiful blue dress hair done white shoes stilettos walking all proud also and it was like a lot it was like a slow motion sort of and i was like do I dive in to save her? Do I like? Do I enjoy the show? What do I do? And luckily, she recovered. But um, Kevin Lee got kicked in the head, like. Holy I mean Barbosa to me is that one guy he's a gatekeeper at one fifty five at this point here because anyone below that level he destroys he knocks yeah. out he's, he highlight reels them anyone above him he just simply can't figure out the he, takedown defense he can't figure out how to stay away from the cage I mean Mark Henry and those guys were just like, dude, please stay away from the cage you gotta move stop they're gonna take you down and he just he just keeps going there again getting punched in the head will
4: He's an advanced Maybe. gatekeeper. Like he is the top five gatekeeper at that, right. and he's he's going to be. I, I haven't seen if they've updated the rankings. I think they do that on a Wednesday. No, they updated them. Uh, Kevin Lee did move into the top five. Barboza now out of the top five, but yeah, Bar- I'm I'm happy with Barboza being that guy. I mean, he is going to be that guy. You got to book a fight between him and Gaethje. Oh I want to see the thudding thigh kicks of Edson Barboza against the low calf kicks of Justin Gaethje. And Justin Gaethje, we haven't talked to you since then.
3: I like that he, matchup. But,
4: but Gaethje says he's only got five fights left in him. Well, <laughs> damn. Okay. Let's let's do it with one of those then. Let's get a Barboza fight in there. That way one of them has to win. I'm cool with that. But Kevin Lee, here's the situation we have now. Habib Nurmagomedov is the champion. He says it's probably Poirier or McGregor. I'm glad that he didn't rule out Poirier, but he wants to fight in November, not before, not after. November sounds about right. New York, Conor McGregor, if he can fight, they'll they'll do that. But if not, Poirier. But that's a lot of time for Poirier. Seven months, maybe. I mean, kind of. I think you could squeeze in a Kevin Lee, Dustin Poirier fight in the middle of that. I don't think Eddie Alvarez should be near this conversation. I really don't. He has won like one of his last three or four fights. But um, I, I don't know. I think it's Poirier, McGregor, Kevin Lee. But Kevin Lee did just have a title shot. But there's still that cloud, that cloud of staff just raining down on us. Like what would have happened if he didn't have staff?
3: Yeah, I mean this whole division is a disaster at the top. I mean, if you're Bruce Buffer, do you say, and still, and new, and next, and what? <laughs> like, when it comes to Conor, Tony, and Habib. And kind of! UFC kind lightweight of. champion. Right? Like, I was going to actually have a fun little... I was going to you know, create a graphic with the three champions and with Bruce Buffer in the middle and, you know, hashtag, and still, question mark, and, you know, it's just like, who's the champ here? Right? Like, it's, it's just kind of... Is it really Habib? I mean... I don't know. It's a, it, it's a confusing scenario if you ask me. Habib is the official champ, I guess. Uh, I mean, did the UFC officially Conor, or strip Conor?
4: I don't think they have officially. Well, according to their rankings, they have because champion is Habib Merigamadov and number one is Conor McGregor.
3: Okay, there you go. Uh, I just want to before we continue there. I forgot to mention it off the top of the show because I was reading the rundown. Uh, but I do want to say, uh, you know, thoughts, love, prayers go out to everyone that uh, yeah. was affected by the Toronto tragedy. Uh, Young Street between Finch and Shepherd, that is a road, a street that I have traveled. Jimmy's office is on that road. Thousands and thousands of times. Oh, yeah. I have driven. I have walked that area. I can't even begin to to imagine uh, what went down there yesterday. Uh, Jimmy's office is south of there. Jimmy Van's office five is miles, about five miles. Yeah, yeah, but a good fifteen minute drive from there. Uh, but it's 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 the north end of the of Midtown. A fifteen and-
4: minute drive and about a thirty second walk, based on Toronto traffic.
3: <laughs> Pretty much, right. Uh, but yes, hearts. My thoughts and prayers go to all the families affected. Um, you know, by the tragedy, those who've uh, you know lost a family member, and those still in the hospital recovering. So, um, yeah. Hashtag Toronto Strong The six is strong. Uh, we won't let it affect us, and we will continue to move on. Yeah. Um, let justice be served.
4: We will move on on the Fightful Holy Smokes podcast as well. James Lynch was joined by Amanda Cooper. We have two segments with her today. She faces Mackenzie Dern in a few weeks. Take a listen.
5: Once again, by Amanda Cooper who has got a huge fight coming up here at UFC 224. She's going to be taking on Mackenzie Dern. Amanda, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
5: I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Now, where am I catching you this morning? Are you going to practice? Are you coming from practice? Uh, where am I finding you?
1: No, actually, I'm just about to head to uh, strength and conditioning.
5: Cool. All right. Good stuff. Well, uh, of course, you're coming off a big win. I was there live at UFC 218. Uh, You get the win over uh, Angelo Magana, the the TKO finish. Uh, Where did that rank in terms of life moments, getting that win, you know, in in your home state of Michigan and and also just, uh, you know, getting a finish in in a UFC fight?
1: Yeah, that night was probably the best night I've ever had uh, fight-wise. You know, I've been been proud of, like, fights before. I've been, you know, proud of getting in the tough house, proud of uh, getting to the finale. Uh, But... I was really nervous to fight in front of my hometown. I I do better fighting out state, uh, out out of the country. I do better um, just, you know, being secluded and being in my own world. So I was really nervous for that fight, uh, being hometown, having everyone there. Uh, I, you know, hadn't seen the Magana fight in a long time. So, you know, I'm like, well, you know, who knows what I'm going into. But uh, definitely with the crowd energy and the way I fought, it was, um, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything better to happen that day.
5: And that fight was back in December, and here we are talking about a fight in May. Uh, did you want to get back in there a little bit sooner, or, were, or was this the right amount of time off?
1: Yeah, I wanted to take the holidays off um, and uh, just see my family and see my friends and catch up on priorities. But then I wanted to get, as soon as the start of the year, I wanted to get back in the uh, gym and, and keep training hard. I would like, I would have liked to fight uh, a little bit sooner, but um, you know, since the more training, the better, so you know, I can't complain.
5: And uh, this is your first time traveling to Brazil for a fight. Uh, have you talked to any other fighters about, uh, you know, heading down there? Just because I know sometimes, uh, you know, the conditions and everything can be a little bit different. There's, there's you know, you got to – there's some things you kind of got to know before you head down there.
1: Yeah, I've actually been to Brazil for fights before. Um, not for me fighting, but uh, when my coach fought uh, in the XFC tournament. And uh, I know how it's kind of goes. I know what to expect. Um, I talked to Eric Spicely because uh, he fought in Brazil. You know, he just said, bring your own water, bring all your stuff because you're not getting it there once you're there. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of already know what to prepare for and what to what to pack and what to bring, and I'm getting there a little, you know, earlier than when the UFC allows me to, but um, just just to be there, and I got a gym to train down there while I'm there, which is close to the hotel.
5: Great. Did the UFC tell you that the hot water is going to work this time? Remember the last time we went to Brazil, the hot water wasn't working and all those fighters missed weight? Did you hear about that?
1: No, I didn't, but when I was in Brazil for my coach fighting, he couldn't cut weight because uh, there was no bass or anything, and... um they took him to like a sex motel. <laughs> like what? he had to sit in this like heart shaped tub and he's sitting there and you could hear all kinds of stuff going on in the next room. And it was, hilarious. it was just such a funny experience. What? That's that. crazy. Yeah. It's,
5: and I guess the water had to be sanitized at that point. Cause right. Cause I mean, yeah. they're, they're obviously <laughs> yeah. using it for other stuff. I'd be a little worried about doing that cutting weight in there. I, but, I mean, they
1: had no choice. We're like, well, you right.
5: gotta do it. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's quite the story. Um,
4: Had a little technical difficulty switching the shot back there, but a sex motel. Amanda Cooper said that they took her to to cut weight, or that they took I think Eric Spicely to whoever it was. Uh, what?
3: Good on James for the reaction. Good on James for the yeah sort of non-follow up. All right, so you get yourself in trouble there, James, but uh, very smart. Good job,
4: your boy Frankie Egger won on. Saturday
3: can't. night. Can't I can't Sean I can't I can no longer watch his fights I can no longer deal with Frankie Edgar fighting anymore I just it, I I it's my heart is like right up here and I'm scared I don't want to say the S word I'm scared shitless <gasps> whatever, Frank I know I shouldn't curse I hate cursing. But Frankie gives me the biggest heart attacks whenever he fights because, man, I got all the time in the world for him. Stepdad, his mom, his parents, his wife, his kids. That dude, he's my boy. He's just the most awesome dude yeah. ever. And when I see him fight, I lose my mind. But when he runs to the freaking octagon, I'm amped, man. My forearms are pumped. I'm like, let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, my God, Frankie's fighting. Oh, my God, Frankie's fighting. What are we doing? What are we doing? So, yeah, I, what a performance. Good on him.
4: Yeah, he might be in line for another title shot. because, And it's you know everybody's like oh please another title shot but he hasn't fought holloway if, if ortega wins then he's definitely not but well he positioned himself nicely yeah one three in a row he's beaten stevens yair rodriguez and cub swanson so he should be up there and it's not like he's get it's not like a uriah faber situation where he's had title shots every single year he's had one since March 2013. So like one over the last 5 years. For a while, yeah.
0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
4: He was getting a lot of title shots. I mean, like, he got the rematch over... He lost to Ben Henderson. He got the rematch against Ben Henderson, and he got immediately a title shot against Aldo. But then after that, it took him three years to get one. So, I am... Fully in favor of that. I think he's he's more than qualified for it. But a couple other performances I was very impressed with. Aljamain Sterling I don't think has looked better in the UFC. At least of late. Dan Hooker looked great. David Branch with that KO of all people. Him knocking out Tiago Santos. Sick. And Corey Anderson completely jobbed out Patrick Cummins in every facet of MMA. That had to be demoralizing For Patrick Cummins to get dominated in the body lock, the waist lock, and the clinch like that by Corey Anderson. And this was a guy, Corey Anderson, lost two in a row against Patrick Cummins, won two in a row. That was a crossroads. I have liked Corey Anderson's work for a long time. That was good. But perhaps my favorite finish was a teep to the liver (laughs) from Bahadurzada. Now, I've mentioned this before. Spinning wheel kick, Edson Barboza. The low calf kick, Justin Gaethje. The front kick, Anderson Silva. The oblique kick, John Jones. We have seen these, you know, they've been used before, but they are finished in a high profile fashion. They finish someone in a high profile fashion, and we see them way, way, way more after that. Does the teep to the liver become one of those techniques?
3: I think people – let me go back to Frankie for one second. When I said he positioned himself very well, Sean, I was referring to the post-fight interview where he basically – you didn't
4: mean at a sex motel? No.
3: Okay. (laughs) Um, That's another story for another day, another another podcast. Um, But Frankie basically saying, listen, I'll fight the winner. I'll fight the winner, and you know Frankie's going to be on standby. You know he's going to be on standby. Should anything happen uh, to Ortega or Swanson, like he wants that rematch with with Ortega uh, or not Swanson, excuse me, uh, Holloway, and he wants that shot against Holloway. So Frankie, stay ready. Uh, in terms of the teep kick to the liver, um, I think the way the way Baro throws it, um, it's hard to read. It's very hard to read, and if people can perfect the way he throws it. It can cause a lot of damage because most people, when they throw a teep kick, um, it's for distance. It's to keep distance. It's to shock your opponent. Uh, it's it's to cause a you know cause damage, but not fight-ending damage. Now the way Sire throws it, dude, yeah. that's an annoying look. You know, it's it's not as annoying as as you know if you ever watch Jake Shields throw a jab or a combination. It's not what you see in the gym. You know, a lot of fighters get hit by Jake Shields back in the day because they can't figure out why. I mean, George St. Pierre told me that, you know, when, when people throw a jab, as an example, it, it comes down the middle. You know, you can see it, Sean. Right. You can see it.
1: Yeah.
4: He
3: said Jake's looked like it was on a wave. Right. It just it just came so weird. Like he couldn't figure it out. The way Sire throws that that team kick, it doesn't look normal. But, man, he's got some juice behind that. He's yeah, got he some does. power behind that. And, you know, Chagas felt that and was like, I'm out of here. I got to go.
4: While we're sort of on the subject of that featherweight division, Ortega versus Holloway set for UFC International Fight Week. Lewis and Ganu also set for that show. They're stacking it. They need it they need a big card because this is a, a down period for MMA right now. Yeah. Well no, we've had some good ups we've had some good ups. Right? Well, I'm been talking just... about from a numbers perspective. Oh yes. I yes. haven't seen it this low
3: since before Rousey. Because they lost a lot of the Canada market, um, that, that too, which drove up a lot of their pay per view numbers. Um, it was funny yesterday. I was at uh, I don't know if you guys follow me on social media. This is where I was yesterday. I had to get my mandatory th- one of three mandatory courses done uh, for my my soccer coaching certificate, and no, I no, no. In-
4: we sent you to that so you wouldn't be unethical in our podcast.
3: Very true. It, 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 listen, it refers to all sports, by the way. All sports, Hey. and this is mixed martial arts. But yes, I walked into that room, Sean, and of course I got recognized, and people were asking, hey man, what's going on, and blah, is the UFC still big? And this was a room of 30 people. Is the UFC still big? Is George St. Pierre still fighting? Brock Lesnar around? Whatever happened to that girl? You know, Ron were, were your answer to those two, kind of?
4: Yeah. They're kind of still fighting. They're kind of still around. They both have bad butts, but... Their their colons are both broken, but yeah. they're, they're they're around,
3: right? So again, it's it's just another example of how one of the countries that you know Dana White called the mecca of MMA, specifically yeah. Toronto, right? The mecca is is no longer buying those pay per views, and it's just if it's not a Conor McGregor, uh, Ronda Rousey's gone, and if it's not even even with George St Pierre, I believe the numbers were a little bit lower for Georges last fight. Right. And that was a middleweight championship title fight. All right. So the the, the luster of the one country, one of the countries that helped put the UFC on the map, you know, huge, huge, huge ratings and huge, huge pay per view buys is no longer buying those pay per views. So those numbers are skewed because you have one of these countries that is just not really interested in the sport as much. Right. So, you know, UFC's fault. Sorry. What? I would agree. I would agree. Well, so they're stacking, they're stacking July, like you said, and they need to, right? But they still need to build name brands. These, they have to build the fighters. They have to build these brands. I mean, John Jones did not do them any favors. Connor McGregor's not doing them any favors at all, right? Bah, technically he may be, because everyone still thinks it was a work. Uh, you know, anytime Connor McGregor's in the news, yeah. whether it's mainstream or not it brings awareness to conor mcgregor who's attached to the ufc so yay and nay but you know when your superstars um you know are aren't competing your numbers aren't going to be there
4: also uh yeah i'm I'm looking forward to that show very excited for it also matt sarah inducted into the ufc hall
3: of fame okay I'm 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 oh, I'm kind of okay with it.
4: Kind of not it's the okay WWE thing. If they held a title, they're
3: going into the Hall of Fame. And that was going to be my my the, the premise of my argument. It 11
4: Chan- and 7 career. He was 7 and I think 7 and 7 in the UFC. He beat George Saint Pierre. He beat Frank Trigg. Two thousand ten, Frank Trigg. Worth noting, Chris Lytle split decision. Jeff Curran, Ivan Menjivar, Eve Edwards. That's a good win. Two thousand one, Eve Edwards is a hell of a win.
1: Whew.
3: Okay. Good. Good for him. Yeah, he's also very close with Dana. Very, very close with Dana. Remember, they've got their own, uh, you know, Matt's got the um, Unfiltered podcast. He's Good still, show. Yeah, and they're still doing a whole bunch of stuff online on the YouTube channel. So it, it was pretty much a given, mm-hmm. you know, that he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, you know, um, he, he won the title. He defeated George St. Pierre. Pre-George St. Pierre, understanding that you do have to train 12 weeks for a fight uh, and not three weeks think you can beat anybody. Uh, so lesson learned for George. But, you know, Matt did defeat him then defended his title in Montreal, George St. Pierre's hometown. I mean, that that takes a lot of uh yeah. you know brass balls, if you ask me. So, you know, he did a lot for the UFC. Uh did a lot for to get UFC sanctioned in New York, was always part of the whole thing. Maybe not as much as Chris Weidman, but you know, Wideman's, you know, part of the family. So, you know, I, I I don't really have an issue with it. And bottom line is it's not the MMA Hall of Fame. It's the UFC Hall of Fame. That's, a, that's true. Hey, you know what?
0: It,
4: ultimately, this stuff, I, I don't mind it as much, but I am used to Major League Baseball, Hall of Fame type of stuff, man. And I definitely don't want it to be that format because there's a lot of people who should have gotten in that didn't get in. Did Lee Smith ever get in the Hall of Fame? I, I can't remember.
3: So. I don't think so. Dawson got in last year, right? I
4: can't remember who got in. But, I mean, I don't think Lee Smith ever did. And that man has 478 saves. So Baseball Writers Association of America can shove it straight up their ass. I would rather have the threshold too low than too high because what does it hurt? So, whatever. Whatever. Also, uh, we mentioned Habib willing to fight Poirier earlier, so we can kind of skip over that. Ponzinibbio and Ozdemir. Well, Ozdemir ran into issues. That fight's been pushed back with Shogun. That's a bummer. Shogun does not need any more time off. No. Because he ain't getting any younger. And he is one win away from a title opportunity. But Ponzinibbio being pulled out against Usman. And what's going to happen with that chili show?
3: That was their draw, right? Santiago was a huge draw out was there. their
4: top two fights. Like, that those—that was a two-fight show right there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. What was that one show in the Philippines they
4: canceled? Right now, the main event is Alexa Grosso and Tatiana Suarez. You have Cannoneer and Dom Reyes. That's honestly, that's a real good fight. Cannoneer and Dom Reyes. Borg and Moreno. That fight... Is bad. That card is real <laughs> bad, man. If I were the UFC, I would take uh, a look. Oh, what do you have? <laughs> uh, you can't move anything off the Brazil show because there's there's geographic draws based on that. Like, what's on... Oh, my God. And There's nothing good the, the following week in, in Liverpool that you can move, that can afford to be moved. And like the next closest you have is like Rivera and the Marias card. There's nothing really on that. They can move up. That's main event worthy too. They're in a rough spot. If I were them, if I don't get a a good, good opponent for Usman, maybe Cerrone does it. If you can get Cerrone in there, sure. That's a card saver. But if you can't get any, if you can't get anybody in there, I think you got to call, cancel that card.
3: It's getting to that point, right? I mean, who's going to step up? <laughs> like, nobody wants to fight Kamaru, right? Yeah. Who wants to step up now, right? So remains to be seen. I feel bad for for Kush because he's on. The, he was on this whole promotion, getting the fight ready. He obviously couldn't do Titan FC when we were down there because he was in New York City promoting the event uh, or promoting the fight. And now, right now, he doesn't have an opponent. So, you know, only Samuel A has got a good point. Call Nate Diaz. He ain't doing it. Nate Diaz <laughs> sure as hell ain't going to Chili. No. Come oh, on now. It, Call Nate
4: Diaz. You things. think they don't care that much about the Chili card. But I mean, and the thing is, I mentioned Cerrone, but he's headlining a show in June. June, yeah. He's got... So, who's he fighting? He's fighting um, Leon Edwards.
3: Edwards, yeah. But to
4: be honest with you, if you told me that was the main event, I'd be like, man, they might need to cancel that show. <laughs> All due respect to Leon Edwards, who's won five in a row, seven of eight, but... That's eh, not quite a main event,
3: but well, so so you look at these cards, okay, Sean, that have been put together, right? And you and I are dissecting them, and it's like, well, they should probably cancel that one or look at the next one. That's terrible. Well, the whole reason why there's so many cards, it goes back to that UFC on Fox deal when they first signed it, and they had to generate content, okay, and they had to generate as many events, not as many events, but many, many events to fill those Saturday night spots on fox sports or fox or excuse me fox sports my bad now there's a discussion between fox and espn that's what i, want, I wanted to mention that to you what do you think to you about get that the right i don't you know what i don't know what to think of it i don't mind it but it's it is kind of weird because is the ufc benefiting by being on two separate networks has the price gone up that high well, I know that you I know that Fox lowballed them at two hundred million, which
4: is a substantial increase over the last deal. However, the UFC feels as if their program is more important. The UFC doesn't experience the, the dirt low ad rates that wrestling does. Wrestling does way better viewership and ratings, but doesn't get the same ad rates as a UFC because there's the perception that pro wrestling fans won't spend money on advertisers. Now here's the thing that I think it may be the bigger problem. You nailed
3: it on the head, by the way. When yeah. that when when sports that had uh, the WWE rights, mm-hmm. or they, I think they still do. Yeah, probably do. But yeah. when they had it on Monday nights, okay, when they had Monday Night Raw, I used to beg <laughs> to have my show air mm-hmm. right after Monday Night Raw.
4: Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, they made it work. I fa- I found out what burn notice was because it aired after Raw, and subsequently found better TV. Here, I think is a bigger problem. Facebook, YouTube, UFC.tv, UFC Fight Pass, Spike TV, Fox, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Fuel TV, ION, Versus... I think... Did I mention FX? I don't even know. These are the channels off the top of my head that UFC has been on over the last seven years. How does one ever know what channel to find them on nba okay you've got your local channels then you've got tnt espn That that's pretty much it and it's been that way for quite a while they've got nba tv so maybe there uh, but i mean tnt does such a good job branding like depending on the night i hit 206 or like 254 on my remote i know i'm getting some nba action with UFC, I don't know that they they are mainstream enough to, to have that benefit.
3: Well, yeah, I mean it's, it's – it's back in the day when they kept doing it, flipping it, blah, 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 it was weird for us because it was on Sportsnet and we were getting that feed. Yeah. You just never knew what logo was on the bottom right of your screen, right? Wherever it is, whatever it was, didn't matter to us up here because there was only one station carrying it. Now there's two stations that are carrying it up here, right? You just don't know which one it's on right cuz not you know one has a lower viewership the other one doesn't really promote much so it's 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 tough to say but you know it is what it is in canada right now but in the states if they do get that deal on ESPN you know where do they put it which ESPN yeah uh, i haven't
4: watched espn in a or espn 2 in a decade
3: well how many espns are there there's one there's two there's there's the news college news,
4: news college espn u and I think classics, I don't know if they still do that. So there's four or five, but I mean, to be real, Saturday night or Saturday I like I I tune in and see college softball tournaments. Oh on dude. in the afternoons. Like I see all kinds of weird like stuff that you just know isn't moving the needle. However, they seem to want to uh help push the ESPN Plus service. And Kyler says he thinks ESPN Plus, but UFC is not going to offer a whole lot of con- – I mean, I don't know if UFC would be happy putting their shows just on US or ESPN+. Plus. At least no. major shows like FS1 shows, they need exposure as well.
3: Yeah, they've got Fight Pass. That's their digital channel. Yeah.
4: Now, right? I, they would have to offer an amount that would be willing or that would make up the difference in what they would lose from Fight Pass as well. Uh, what do you think of Cody Garbrandt saying that TJ T- T- Dillashaw used EPO?
3: Well, Cody isn't the first guy to, to basically – well, I think he – is he the first guy publicly to say that, that TJ's been on something?
4: Uh, pff, I assume at this point everybody says that everybody is on something.
3: Yeah. It's I mean, a basic it's the...
4: part of trash-talking MMA now. I hate it, but it is.
3: Well, behind the scenes, I mean, there's people that have spoken to me about, uh, you know, various fighters, including T.J., that they're on something. They're on something. They're on something. And, you know, uh, as we all know, and if we all remember back um, with the uh, the Fightful MMA podcast before it became the Holy, Sm- or maybe it was the Holy Smokes podcast when we had uh, Luke Bernardi on, and. Yeah, what did he basically say? Like 90% of the guys are on something, and the fighters will always – or the athletes, not just fighters, but the athletes will always be ahead of the testing system. They always will be. And the, even, the, even if they're not on something,
4: what is considered nothing now in 10 years might be considered something. Mark McGuire, yes. some of what he took was legal in 98. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Andro? That ain't legal now. That's just the it's way crazy. it is he
3: on something I don't know I mean I I I don't have that that look or the the eye to notice anything but you know I would think a guy that that competes the way he does maybe not but you just never know nowadays you know I can't say yay or nay you know I would like to think that he's honest he's a champion he's a dad you know husband but you know have we met John Jones yeah
4: let's talk about Alexis Vila man there's a sad story of this guy um he is facing second-degree murder charges right now. What do you know about this?
3: I don't know anything, to be honest with you, because I sent some texts off, and people are all, shh, 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 don't know, don't know, don't know, and I'm like, well, can you give me something, right? It's uh, involving
4: conspiracy and a yeah. weapon. It's yeah. uh, The warrant was issued March 29th. Uh, man, it's – and we don't know what happened yet, but, I mean, he's a 46-year-old, and I know a lot of you don't know who Alexis Vila is. He came to fame in 2011 when he knocked out Joe Warren. And I mean, that should have been his murder charge. Jesus, he destroyed Joe Warren. And at that point, he was 10-0. and 0. And at this point, you're thinking, wow, could he become Bellator champion? He was 40 then. 40. This man wrestled and medaled in the 1996 Olympic Games. The same as Kurt Angle. That's how old this guy was. But there was no MMA, really, that back then that he could participate in. Not not a guy his size.
3: No, he's too small.
4: And even, he was too small for 135. He's a flyweight. And he kept fighting until August 2016. But after he beat Marcos Galvo, things got rough for him. He lost an awful lot. Victim of age more than anything. I really think that Alexis Vila, had there been... 125 and 135 divisions prominent around wherever he, he was geographically. I think that he would have been a multiple-time champion. I think he would have been a UFC Hall of Famer. I think that the sky was the limit for him. He didn't even get in MMA until he was 36. Went 11-0. Yep. and 0, beat, How about this one? Ben Wynn, 29-year-old. Uh, that was one of uh, Alexis Vila's first uh, wins. Ben Wynn's still hanging out in the UFC top 15 somewhere. So, I mean, he's got he's got a, some pretty good history, but or at least in the cage. But, like, in 2004, I think it was 2004, 2006, he, like, crashed into an airport and ran into a bunch of trouble there and uh, served three years in prison for that. For crashing into an airport because uh, it was considered committing airport violence. So he's had some crazy stuff happen in his life.
3: Yeah, he's uh, I mean I called his last two fights at Titan. Uh one against Abdiel Velasquez and one against Jorge Calvo. Uh the Calvo fight was controversial because in my opinion Calvo won. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, his last he, fight. Yeah, that was his last fight, but you know, he he didn't have that spunk, that energy, that 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 execution that most guys have. Like it, as you get older, you lose that explosiveness. Uh, He won the world
4: championships in 93 in Toronto. That's how long. 93! We're talking like maybe the UFC one had happened at that point. Maybe. So, um, man, I feel for whoever lost their life in this situation, and it's sad. It's sad all around. I don't know the details of it. Hopefully it's Hopefully, for his sake, he didn't do it. But either way, somebody lost their life in this, and that's horrible. Somebody might lose their life on Saturday night. Frank Mir versus Fedor (laughs) Emelianenko. This show is kind of interesting. You have Emmanuel Sanchez on there against Sam Cecilia. Nice test for Emmanuel Sanchez. Not like he needs tested. He's a proven commodity in, in the cage. Neiman Gracie, Javier Torres. I'm interested in that fight. Rafael Lovato Jr. against John Salter. Very interested in that fight too. John Salter, a very underrated fighter, but Dylan Danis is also on that show, and I am not really that interested in that. But I will watch it. But mostly, it's we're talking Fedor, Frank Mir. Other than that, I, I you know Salter is one that like God. I, who would have thought in two thousand ten after he got beat up by Gerald Harris and ninja choked by Dan Miller that seven years later. Yeah. We'd be talking about him on this hot streak, but he's won, I think, seven in a row. And listen to these wins that he's he's reeled off in that period. Dustin Jacoby, outstanding striker. Brandon Halsey, a former Bellator champion. Kendall Grove, that's a solid win at any point. He, he's looking pretty good. But Fedor, Frank Mir. At one point, this could have sold, maybe it could have sold 750,000 pay-per-views. But now it's live for free on the Paramount Network on a Saturday night, and nobody's talking about it except us.
3: Yeah. Amazing how things change. But that's what happens when, you know, when guys' careers. It's 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 always been, you know, who do you blame in this type of scenario? I mean, was the UFC Fedor. hardballing? Well, yeah, it was the UFC lowballing Fedor. Was, was um, Vadim... Wanting more money? Was it just not going to happen? Were they, it was the co-promotion thing? I mean, Fedor should have fought Frank Mir years ago.
4: Fedor admitted that UFC made him his best financial offer and that he turned it down. Well. What does that tell you? It tells me all I need to know.
3: It's done. Yeah. Right.
4: It's It's odd. But how do you think this fight goes? It's so hard to predict this. Like, heavyweight fights, by and large, it's like, like, who, what? And especially at this stage of their lives – When's the last time Frank Muir fought? Was it before or after the last Civil, civil War?
3: <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, Frank's last fight was Mark Hunt, 2016, March.
4: March 2016. So we're looking at two years off. His last win was July 2015 against Todd Duffy. What happened to him? That was Todd Duffy's last fight, too. Yeah. Jeez. Man, that sends you down a rabbit hole of where the hell has everybody been? Todd Duffy just likes to take like three years off at a time, though. But it's uh man. I'm I'm gonna go with Fedor,
3: but I'm talking like 51 49 here. Yeah, people are all over you know, mere winning this fight because they've given up on Fedor. But let's not kid ourselves. Frank Mir doesn't really have a lot of head movement when it comes to he striking. He really doesn't. And Frank Mir, when he gets tagged, doesn't move a lot. Doesn't His hair have does. Footwork. Yeah. So if he gets caught against the cage and Fader starts launching bombs at him, this could get ugly for Frank Mir. Mm-hmm. Now, this fight goes down to the ground. I would love to see this fight go down to the ground. I would love to see Fader Melianenko in Frank Mir's guard and watch what unfolds. I would too. Does Frank Mir get his face punched in, or does he rip a limb off of Fedor Emelianenko? That's what I want to see, right? I want to see this fight hit the ground and go. Let's see what's going to happen with these two boys on the ground. Oh, man. I will watch the fight. I will watch the fight. I don't
4: think I'm doing a post-show on it, but I will watch the fight indeed. I think this Bellator tournament has lost some steam, man. Like, for one— I don't. I mean, I like the idea, but
3: no one knows what's going on.
4: We're still in the first round.
3: Listen, man, I got no sympathy for the way they've done this. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It's it never made sense in the beginning, the way they promoted it, the way they structured it. Uh, you know, with all due respect, and I even looked at. I'm like, damn, Bellator 198. They've done 198 shows plus. Like, damn, good for you guys for staying around, doing your thing, continuing to you know to to just poke at the UFC and stuff like that. You guys are doing a fantastic job, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, I think they screwed up royally when they stopped the tournaments. Uh, I think they screwed up royally in how they promoted the tournaments. People love tournaments. People love champions. People love to follow along. I think they, they could have done with less tournaments, but not eliminating them altogether.
4: Uh, yeah. I think that this was a good idea. However to me when you don't put Justin Wren in the tournament that yeah. becomes a farce it becomes a farce also uh you know i often speak about uh Minikov and blagoy ivanov it looks like blagoy ivanov is facing an injury he's not in PFL's tournament after he has been their dominant world series of fighting champion but apparently there's UFC interest that is a good thing that is a You're good Nick- addition
3: you hear Nick Newell was at the UFC uh, Institute?
4: I sure did, and I'm I'm glad that he's there. Why not? Have him fight Justin Gaethje, but why not? (laughs) But, I mean, there's a real chance we're going to see Chael Sonnen against Fedor Emelianenko this summer. Um, But some of the matchmaking they did here, Chael Sonnen against Rampage, a dumb. Rampage (laughs) has been quick to say, why do you all keep booking me against grapplers? Fedor against Frank Mir, good booking. Bader versus King Moe has all the makings to be a very boring fight. Matt Mitrione versus Roy Nelson, we didn't need to see that again. Why couldn't they have done Mitrione and Rampage Jackson? Couple like good it. strikers. Then you could have put Chael Sonnen against Roy Nelson. A heavy hitter with some good jujitsu jitsu against a guy who wrestles. And at all points, both men will be in danger. Why not there? Bader and King Moe, okay, if you want to do that one... The similarity in styles I can almost kind of get with to that degree. But uh, guys, you all can check out the rest of the Amanda Bobby Cooper interview over at Fightful.com. I was going to run the second part, but you can just check out the whole thing <laughs> over at Fightful.com. We've reached our hour limit. when There's no UFCs. That's typically uh, the time limit we go to. Joe, what do you got going on this week? Where can they follow you on the Twitter
3: the Twitter, the Facebook. I saw a movie recently when they kept saying that. Uh, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram. At Showdown Joe, a uh, ton of stuff going on over here. I got three courses that I got to deal with. I got to finish off this first one here, do a second one online, and then a full Saturday, Sean Ross app, 9 to 5 in a classroom setting with 30 other coaches uh, to ensure that we coach the little ones uh, for long-term success.
4: Oh, my day is looking wild. I've got this show. I am currently watching WWE Summer or WF SummerSlam 2000 for the next Fightful Select retro review.
3: Cool. So
4: that's that's a three-hour block I have to take in and do that podcast this week for a release next week. I have to do our Fightful Select Q&A show this week. I have to do um, the Fightful Weekender at some point this week. Taking in two hours of SmackDown tonight. Doing a SmackDown post-show tonight. Tomorrow, got 90 minutes on the list in your boy. Then a six-hour WWE event from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia on Saturday. Or Friday, rather. Post-show on that. Guys, I am locked in to this chair and this microphone. So I would just like to recommend you guys head over to FightfulSelect.com. Give it a gander. You might be interested in some of that stuff. Have some free content up there as well, but a lot of extra additional content that i am just whittling away at my my little fingers and my eyeballs it's just i'm doing it all for you guys
2: and for the money
4: guys until (laughs) next time we are out